0: You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
1: Bye.
2: Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics While taking Christian truth into the arena of ideas This is the Bellator Christie Podcast And we thank you for joining us today uh, This is your host for our time together Yours truly, Brian Chilton we do want to remind you that the Bellator Christie podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com. And uh, we are available, our podcast is available on several different uh, forms of uh, media. Uh, we are available on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. Uh, and we do encourage you speaking of the website to go check us out at Uh There you'll find several articles. Uh, this has been drafted over from the previous website that I ran at Pastor Brian Chilton.wordpress.com. And so we have articles available on the, on the uh, website from back in 2012. Uh, so th- there are papers that I wrote. Uh, while in seminary, actually getting ready to go back to seminary starting next week, uh, be be much in prayer for me on that. Uh, more on that in just a moment. But um, but this this has a lot of resources available to you. The best thing is, is it's absolutely free, and so um, so you can do that. You go go check it out. Uh, there are written articles now uh, since the website is has gone through the hosting site Bluehost you can now find links to the pot, these very podcasts on that website as well while you're there i do encourage you to go and uh, there is a there's a link at the very top of the website and so simply just enter in your email address and you and hit subscribe and by doing so you'll receive all the links to the articles in your inbox all the links to the podcasts in your inbox and the best part of it all is that it's absolutely free. If you see a resource, if you hear a podcast, read an article that you like, we just simply encourage you to uh, go and share it. If you'd like to be a sponsor of this ministry, we encourage you to do that. If, if you're interested in that, we do encourage you to uh, email me at Brian C-H-I-L-T-O-N, C-H-I-L-T-O-N at bellatorchristi.com and once again that's B E L L A T O R C H R I S T I dot com. So uh, just be aware of that. Uh, just a couple of things I want to mention before we get on the podcast. Of have we have a very interesting podcast uh, coming up. We're going to talk about how God is seen in the world of mathematics, and we're just going to simply scratch the surface. Uh, this upcoming week, I am beginning a new venture. I want you to pray for me. It's going to take me, I'll probably have to do this may, mostly part-time. Uh, you know, as time goes on, maybe I can pick up a few more classes, uh, have a few full-time schedule here and there. Uh, but we're, I'm just going to ease into this program. But I'm starting uh, my, uh, my new venture at Liberty University in the Ph.D., Program in theology and apologetics, and uh, I want to I want to make a I want to make a point here. Uh, speaking of Liberty University, um, Dr. Falwell, the president of Liberty University, has taken taken sides with uh, President Trump on a number of issues, and there have been a lot of people who have come down hard on Liberty University due to President Falwell's association with Trump. Now, let me just say, first and foremost, that Liberty University, and, and I know this firsthand being a student, Liberty University does not endorse any presidential candidate. At Liberty University, you're going to see a wide array of, of professors, uh, of, of instructors, of uh, students from, from different walks of life. Okay? Okay. Now, now they do have the, the one goal, training champions for Christ, so it is a Christian university. But within the Christian view, you're going to see people who hold to different issues and things of this nature, okay? Um, Liberty University is a good school. It's a very good school. As, as I said before, told some people before, that if I didn't believe in this university, I would not attend, i certainly wouldn't be going back to get my phd from the very same school but the program I, the programs I, the program i took from my master's degree is phenomenal from what i am seeing in the phd program it is absolutely spectacular the, the fact is, is is i cannot for the life of me understand why people have become so obstinate when it comes to to politics and, and so obstinate whenever someone disagrees with them on an issue, that they throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, anything that person, anything with which that person is associated, must be bad because that person uh, believes this certain thing. But that's certainly not true. That's certainly not the case. You know, I've I've attended liberal schools and I've attended conservative schools. And I have to say, the level of spiritual support that I received at this university whenever I was undergoing great tragedy uh, through the loss of my grandparents, uh, two individuals, my grandmother my grandfather, who were very influential to me. I spoke with uh, a lady who was a missions uh, counselor, and she 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 teared up as she was uh, helping me through this situation As we were talking about this, these issues And she prayed over me I mean, the professors at graduation Prayed over the graduates uh, the, the, the fact, I mean, graduation uh, The, the uh, Sounds of Liberty Sung a praise song And there were people on their feet Giving thanks and praise to God Folks, if you have a problem with that Then maybe you don't need to go to Liberty University Because because Christ is exalted at this university But as far as I go This being a Christian university, that's something that I support. Politics, you know, I, I'm not as interested in that as some people are. Um, you know, if, if that's your thing, more power to you. We need Christians in in, a poli- in politics. We need individuals to take a stand in that. I mean, we're all called to do different things. Okay? But that's not my calling. You know, that's, that's not my calling. And... Um, you know what? And I don't agree with President Falwell on everything. But you know what? We don't have to agree on everything. I have a good friend of mine who has a podcast. Uh, his name's Shane. He, he runs a podcast at Team Liberty Radio, Team, Team Liberty Podcast. I don't agree with him on a lot of things. Uh, he doesn't agree with me on a lot of things. But you know, in the core essential factors of our Christian faith, we find agreement. So, folks, we have to learn... Uh, this is this culture in which we live. We, we have become so obstinate that we think that if anyone disagrees on us on any matter, then we just have to ostracize that person. But that is a very child childish way to behave. It's really childish. And so, um, nonetheless, that's my two cents. Uh, I support Liberty University. Um, just, and just, just understand because President Falwell supports a candidate doesn't mean that everyone at that university supports the same candidate um, I've gone to Christian uni- I've gone to universities before where the president of the university supported a different candidate than what I would have supported um, the, the agenda of some some of the professors were different than what my agenda was I mean I attended a public uh, school for my undergraduate. Uh, not Garden Web, but uh, I, I com- attended a community college. I had professors who were not very religious, but I was able to, just because that they weren't religious, just because you know they didn't have have the same worldview that I held, didn't mean that I just ostracized them and cut them off and and shut down and didn't listen to anything they had to say. Rather, I, I is uh, a good a good professor. At Fruitland Baptist Bible Institute, once said he's a Bible college, you know, Bible college now. I should say, he he said uh, when you read a book, when you take a class, anything in life you do, is it's you must treat it like eating fish. And anyone who's ever eaten fish knows what I'm going to talk about knows what he's saying here. You have to eat the meat and spit out the bones. Okay, so. I really wish we could lose this obsession we have, where we think that we can't pleasantly disagree with one another, to be able to discuss these issues. Intellectual discourse is is what um, our universities is the foundation upon which our universities are built. It's the foundation upon which society can coincide if people can come together. And and discuss issues intellectually without trying to burn down the entire city because of one disagreement. Okay, so anyhow, I think we can learn a lot um, by showing. I, I'm a little hesitant to use this word because it's been misused, but I'm going to use the word tolerance. Tolerance, not meaning that we tolerance never meant that you agree with someone else. Tolerance means that you are able to get along with someone even though they hold differing views than you so I think we could learn a lot by simply going back and as Christians remembering the two great commandments loving God with all our heart, mind and soul be focused upon the truth but also love our neighbor as we love ourselves and that even includes those of whom we find disagreement Alright, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we're going to talk about a very intriguing topic that I just stumbled upon uh, in this book that I'm reading for the PhD class called Faith and Learning. We're going to take a look at how we can find God in math, (laughs) of all things. You're listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. We'll be back in a moment.
1: I first row evidence that demands a verdict. Truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth? But now it is.
2: Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this because I hear it from students so often I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim, and I think we do.
1: We had to rewrite Evidence of Man's Verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting, and we want you to be aware of that. We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor, to be aware of the new evidence out there, to understand
2: not just what they believe, but why they believe in it. Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere, October 3rd, 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence.
1: Our university was founded with a purpose. A purpose that inspires us and drives us toward greatness that purpose is our passion and we strive every day to pass this passion along to our students it's purpose that defines us it's not about what we do or how we do it it's about why we were created why we've chosen this path We believe there's a place where Christian values are cherished, where American traditions are upheld, and a world-class education can be achieved. That place is Liberty University. We come from all across the country. We bring with us a wide variety of dreams, but we're united by Christ, by our ideals, And by a genuine desire to make the world a better place. Each graduate leaves here equipped with the tools needed to make a difference. They leave here as doctors, as lawyers, as aeronautical engineers, but it was purpose that brought them to liberty. We believe in working from within. We believe in our purpose, we believe our purpose led us to become the world's largest Christian university. We believe that greatness and goodness are
2: ends, not means. We believe in liberty. To find out more about Liberty University, go to liberty.edu or call 855-466-9220.
1: Hi, Greg Kokel here for Stand to Reason, and at SCR we have always cared about Christianity worth thinking about, and when I found out that the SES conference this year was about pursuing a faith that thinks, I realized that if you go to this conference, you're not only going to have the information you need to deal with people who challenge your convictions, you're going to have the information that will help you deal with the toughest critic you'll ever face, and that's you. That's why I hope to see you there at the SES conference October 13th and 14th in Charlotte. Pursuing a faith that thinks
2: Register now for the National Conference on Christian Apologetics By going to conference.ses.edu Early bird pricing ends August 1st So be sure to go and register now Once again, that's conference.ses.edu The National Conference on Christian Apologetics 2017, October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, Pursuing a Faith That Thinks. All right, welcome back to the Bellator Christie podcast. I want to let you know. Speaking of Liberty uh, University, I have a uh, announcement I want to share with you, uh, and that is uh, for an upcoming thing, uh, upcoming event at Liberty University. This is going to be held Thursday, September 28th, through Sunday, October 1st. Uh, this is called uh, CFAW College for a Weekend. Uh, if you are a prospective student that's interesting and interested in receiving uh, or could be benefited from receiving an undergraduate degree from the world's largest Christian university, uh, be sure to check out college for a weekend. Once again, this will be September 28th through October 1st. Uh, during this weekend, uh, you will be able to visit classes. That you're interested in taking in your desired field of study. Uh, you can stay with current students in one of the nationally recognized residence halls. Attend Convocation, which is the world's largest weekly gathering of Christian young people. Uh, cheer, on, cheer on the Liberty Flames football team against St. Francis, uh, not the actual St. Francis of Assisi, the college, of course. Uh, but meet with uh, staff and about admission and financial aid. Uh, you can sneak. <laughs> I cannot talk today. Uh, excuse me, ski, snowboard, and tube down the snowless slopes of Liberty Mountain Snowflex Center. That's really cool. You need to check that out. And enjoy activities such as basketball, indoor soccer, and swimming at the LaHaye Recreation and Fitness Center. Uh, you can register by Friday, or you should register by Friday, September 15th. Students can also attend... Uh, for free and submitting their uh, confirmation deposit to register, please contact uh, Liberty University at 1-800-543-5317. Once again, that's 1-800-543-5317. Or you can go to cfaw at liberty.edu. Once again, cfaw at liberty.edu. Go check it out. All right. Uh, speaking of liberty, I've been preparing for. Uh, excuse me. My first uh, PhD uh, class coming up this starting this month. This next Monday. Uh, this this will be airing on uh, the twenty seventh. The class will officially begin on the twenty eighth. Uh, looking forward to it. But I've been reading through some of the materials uh, before the class has begun, and one book in particular has been really, really good. Uh, this book is. Co- uh, Edited by David S. Dockery, it is called Faith and Learning A Handbook for Christian Higher Education. And this book is phenomenal. This goes through several different topics that uh, it uh, shows the importance of higher Christian education. It uh, talks about uh, the study of philosophy, uh, beauty, meaning, and power bearing witness in the profession of words. Boy, how we need better speakers and better communicators today, uh, that's for sure. Uh, the language and interpretation uh, of, of things, that's very important. The study of history, oh, how we need good historians today. The study of political philosophy at the Christian University. The invitation of sociology, Christianity and the arts. Music education, the importance of that. Uh, Christian perspective on communication and media. Talking about the sciences, health care, social work, business uh, Faith and transformational teaching and things of this nature But today I want to talk about uh, chapter 18 A section in uh, the chapter called Christian Scholarship in Math, Physics and Engineering Uh, This was written by Dr. Jeanette Russ Uh, Dr. Jeanette Russ and she is, bear with me for a moment, let me get her information pulled up here. Uh, Jeanette Russ holds the Ph.D. from Vanderbilt University, uh, currently serves on the faculty in the Department of Engineering at Union University. She wrote a very intriguing piece on uh, how one can find God in mathematics. In fact, I, I never knew this, that, That Rene Descartes actually tried to prove the existence of God using math, she says, but his proofs were not convincing, basically because you had to come at it with some preconceived notions. But even still, just looking at the mathematical formulations, uh, you can learn certain things about God. And I found this to be quite fascinating. Uh, Math has never been my strong point, but I've always liked math, even though I've never been really all that great at it when it comes to algebra. Many times that missing x remained missing when it came to me solving some of these problems. But it's interesting, the very construct of math itself is is transcendent. 2 plus 2 will always equal 4, no matter... What age you live, no matter who you are, where you are, it, it's transcended. It's beyond the scope of just a one personal thing. And this shows the order that one finds in the universe. Now, we could even take that and, and go a step deeper than what we are in the podcast and look at how these transcendent things relate to God Um in fact, there was a wonderful debate down at Southern Evangelical Seminary uh, with uh, J. Thomas Bridges uh, and uh, William Lane Craig and a professor from uh, Notre Dame. His name eludes me right now, but uh, they were they were talking about the the professor from Notre Dame took the Platonic version of this of, of abstract objects, meaning that they they were eternally coexistent with God. Uh, they were real entities coexisting with God. J. Tom uh, William Lane Craig took the anti-realist position, saying that that God uh, that these things that these things really doesn't don't exist. That God produced these things; He created these things as being transcendent things. And then J. Thomas Bridges takes the moderate position, uh, which is closely akin to closely closely akin to Thomas Aquinas's viewpoint. But in, nonetheless. Um, We won't go into all of that today, but she goes to say that Pythagorean's theorem remains a staple of geometry. Over a thousand editions of Lucid's uh, elements of geometry have been published. Only the Bible has surpassed that number. So the fact that that we have these things that transcend time, these mathematical truths that transcend time, show us the great power of this, that it's it's, um, not something that just someone invents, but it's something that someone discovers, something that has been uh, um, created. You may say, a long time ago. So God Himself is presented as a mathematician. Um, he goes on to say that uh, she says that much of the much has been made of this idea of truth as a seemingly fundamental characteristic of mathematics, and the theme of God as a mathematician has been pres- has been present through the ages. So since God is truth. Mathematics is a standard of truth. You can say just the very fundamental of mathematics itself shows the truthfulness, the true nature of God, and His He is uh, uh, an eternally He is eternal truth. You may even say, Archimedes, the great Greek mathematician, who departed from the more typical theoretical math of his day to examine connections between abstract objects and physical reality. In doing so, he provided the first empirical evidence for an apparent mathematical design of the universe. So we see even mathematically that the universe holds great design. So mathematically, this pinpoints us or or directs us to God. The very fact that we can even do math, can know math, can know these theorems, shows that there's great order in the universe and that God is behind all of it. Um, One author, uh, says Russ, describes just six numbers that provide mathematical guidelines for for the entire universe. If any of these numbers were even slightly different, life could not be sustained. Another notes that the great architect of the universe now begins to appear as a pure mathematician. The, the, and many of these, many of these um, uh, paradigms that are presented mathematically don't just apply to our own physical universe, but would apply to any potential universe that physical universe that exists. So you see, even if you hold to a multiverse, you, you don't get around this. I mean, because there are there's math, there must be mathematical design to to hold together. These things we know, and I, I even call this the information argument. The fact that we have information in our universe shows that there must be an information giver, provider. Uh, it's much like a program, a computer program. there has to be a programmer instilling all of the all of the digits, all the coding to allow that program to work. Um, so, a variety of mathematical systems can be generated by selecting different initial postulates. It is possible to explore abstract mathematical concepts that have little to do with the physical reality, and indeed, mathematicians have done so. So, again, uh, not every math mathemat- mathematical thing out there may relate to the physical universe because, theoretically, um, theoretically, a battery should never lose charge, but the fact is the... the that The essence that we can do math points us to the reality that God exists. That He is the great mathematician. Uh, she goes on to talk about how another mystifying area of math that has been well publicized has to do with the numbers like pi and phi. Pi, the ratio of the cir- uh, circumference of a circle to its diameter, has been calculated over 51 billion decimal places with no apparent appearance of any sort of pattern. For centuries, people have pondered the random nature of pi compared to the absolute simplicity of the circle. Phi, the so called golden ratio, occurs in a variety of unrelated places in nature, from the florets of a sunflower to the shape of the Milky Way. Here again, I remember taking a mathematical class and a class on biology and looking at the patterns that exist between Milky Ways and in those, uh, some of the shells that you find on a beach. And it's amazing the parallels you see. There is just design uh, that the universe is fraught with design. I mean, it's just all over the place. Uh, you know, there's just no way around it. So, what are some what are some things we could know about God through math? What are some attributes? Well, um, Russ goes on to say that to provide some general examples, both calculus and physics. Focus on the infinitesimally small and the extremely large, a vast range that hints at the unlimited nature of God. So, the fact that we can explore these minute things through uh, these minute things when it comes to DNA, it comes to the atomic structure. Uh, through mathematics, all the way to these large cosmological entities like uh, galaxies and stars and planet, planets and the planetary orbits and things of that nature. All of those things point to the unlimited nature of God, that God can, can be in the smallest minute detail, but he could also be in the largest, grand, grandest thing that exists. I think the fact that we had witnessed the solar eclipse uh, this past week, where in our area we didn't have totality, I really wish and maybe hope one day that I can experience that. But from everything I've heard, it is just amazing to see the solar eclipse happen in totality. Um, We were about 93% covered in our area, which you could definitely tell a difference. In the sunlight, you could tell a difference. Everything began to get cooler. Uh, I, we didn't see all the things you you could see the, the shadows change. You could see the um, patterns and the shadows change. In fact, we, we you if you could hold if you hold down a piece of paper and hold up a uh, something with creates a pinhole and look down at the paper, you'll see the, the shape of the uh, shadow change. Uh, which is really interesting, and as I heard someone say, I mean, experiencing this, seeing the grandeur of the solar eclipse, how could anyone not believe in God after that? But but mathematics allows us to discover the infinitesimally small and the infinitesimally large, indicating the fact that God Himself has an unlimited nature. Uh, you cannot restrict God in the universe. He, he, he knows the smallest molecular change, and he knows the greatest cosmic disorder or order in the universe itself. George Cantor, Cantor's theory of the infinite, which he believed was given to him by God, has made substantial contributions to math, but it has also provided philosophers and theologians with fascinating questions regarding the nature of infinity itself. One way to state Einstein's theory of relativity, she goes on to say, is that when traveling at a speed of light, there is no passage of time. Now, this is quite interesting. If you take those two things together, an interpretation that arguably connects the biblical description of God as light with the knowledge that he exists outside of time. So you look at the theory of the infinite along with Einstein's Theory of relativity And theologically you can see That God is both light He has the not And he exists outside of time And that he is also infinite in his nature All of that we can see through mathematics Isn't that amazing? I never in a million years Thought about that <laughs> I would have never in a million years Dreamed dreamt That you could see God In something through as, like, as we see through mathematics. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Um, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, this I thought was very interesting. You have some theoretical physicists who say that God could not be, could not intricately work in the universe. Now, this is something that one of the chapters in science, I think, I think they brought out a good point in saying that What you hear on a popular level is reduced down greatly, and so they don't give you all the details. They're giving their interpretation. In fact, I didn't realize this came from Aristotle. Aristotle Aristotle said that no one argues over the data. It's the interpretation of the data where one finds uh, disagreement. And and some of the things you hear is, is not necessarily... I, always true to the data. It's the interpretation that someone has. And this is why we need more Christians in science. We need more Christians in science bringing their worldview to the table. Not that they change the data, but they're able to see the data through that worldview. And, and because we do have individuals who are hostile to the Christian faith and who do, I believe, twist information uh, to, to meet their own agenda. Uh but and, and this, is, this is a case in point. When you go back and you look at Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, Russ says, which states that the exact position and velocity velocity of a particle cannot be simultaneously known due to interference of the measuring measurement process, has great philosophical significance, she says, and was thus initially difficult for many scientists to accept. Why? Because of this. Not only does the principle undermine that this is so powerful, not only does the principle undermine scientific determinism, thereby providing greater freedom for God to intervene in the world, but it also gives humankind a more important role in this quote unquote cosmic drama. This comes from the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. That's amazing. (laughs) So the Heisenberg uncertainty principle mathematically shows that scientific determinism is untrue. And it also shows that it is possible for God to intervene in the world and it also shows and demonstrates that what we do as believers, it matters. And it can hold a greater impact than what we ever could imagine. Um, In addition to this, uh, Rene Descartes mathematically combined the previously separate fields of geometry and algebra through his development of the Cartesian coordinate system and the subsequent introduction of mathematical functions, which was, Russ says, a huge breakthrough. In physics, Russ continues, saying that James Clerk Maxwell devised four equations relating electricity to magnetism and early success in the ongoing search for the quote-unquote theory of of everything. She goes on to write that the concept of unification is important to scholarship in general since it mitigates the often lamented problem of fragmentation of knowledge in today's universities. It is important to Christian scholarship specifically because it highlights the fact that all truth, (laughs) I love this, All truth is God's truth. We're not going to discover anything that God did not already know. It's important for us to understand, Russ goes on to say, that we need people, Christians, continually working in the field of mathematics. In the in the realm of theoretical physics, we need Christians working in these areas. In fact, she 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 let me just read this. I think this is so powerful. I'm going to read the entire paragraph. Um, While there have been acrimonious exchanges between believing and unbelieving scientists for centuries, the present conflict does does seem to be more intense in light of the increased secularization of society. Talking about the conflict between Christian and, and non-Christian scientists, uh, com- so the the the, the uh, conflict seems to be, she says, more intense in light of the increased secularization of society at large, combined with the previously described difficulty of indefinitely maintaining a complementary view of science and faith. However, the loudest voices certainly do not speak for everyone. Boy, this is so important. The loudest voices certainly do not speak for everyone. The loudest voices, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson is a loud voice. Uh, Lawrence Krauss is a loud voice. They don't speak for everyone. Okay, As there are, and I underscore this, many devout Christians who do excellent work in the sciences, including some Nobel Prize winners who are professing Christians. The presence of Christians working successfully in math, physics, and engineering is an important foundation for meaningful dialogue, and indeed the conversation has been taking place for decades. Still, challenges do, in fact, remain. She goes on to show that that, that scientifically the Big Bang Theory uh, itself Shows the theological implication that God brought everything into the universe Uh, uh, She goes on to write that Its theological implications are quite positive for Christianity Or at least the existence of God No less a physicist than Stephen Hawking says That it quote-unquote smacks of divine intervention And Hawking is not a believer So again, we looked at several different uh, theorems today and it's quite interesting, I think, that these theorems provide us a glimpse at the divine, which shows us, I believe, that God has, in fact, developed two books of his revelation. The the special revelation being the Word of God, and natural revelation, which is found in the world through math, through science, even perhaps even, you could say, through history. And so, folks, the the biggest thing I want to do and say here is that math itself, one, math itself shows us the existence of God. Math itself, of all things, could show us that God exists. But number two, I would also want to remind you that we as Christians, we cannot go running high just because things are tough, just because we live in a secularized society, We can't go run and hide and stick our head in the sands. We need believers to become experts in the realm of science. We need believers to become experts in the realm of history. We need historians. We need scientists. We need mathematicians who are believers. We need professors in universities. We need teachers in the public schools as well as the private schools. And beloved, let me tell you, I I have known, I've met some wonderful Christians who are in the public schools as well. I know, you know, I I know there's a big controversy in the Christian world about pulling, you know, children out, you know, and, and, and if that's what God's calling you to do, go for it. But I'm telling you that we don't need to lose our voice in the public sphere. That's part of the reason why we're in the shape we're in. If God is calling you to the realm of science, go for it. If God is calling you for the in the realm of mathematics, go for it. Sociology, go for it. But Christians, we've got to stop running and hiding. We've got to get involved. And by doing so, we may make an eternal, an eternal contribution that uh, when we when our time comes, we stand before the Lord he may say unto us, Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, this has been Brian Chilton, and you've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. We thank you for joining us today, and we hope you'll join us the next time as we step into the arena of ideas. Coming up next week, we're going to have with us, God willing, Dr. Adam Harwood, who is a professor down at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary He's going to be with us Coming up next week I'm looking forward to what should be a fascinating interview As he's going to talk to us about uh, What's known as traditional Baptists And how they view Many traditional Baptists view original sin And things of that nature Again, you've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast We'll see you back next time God bless
0: expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christy podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment.